You know, today what I want to do, and I, I haven't been given permission, so I'm going to ask for permission. Let's take a pause and celebrate. Let's celebrate. Because there's a good feeling in here that God is doing something. You know, over time, this freedom thing is, is an interesting thing. It's elusive. And I'm completely off note, so it's early. And uh, hopefully we're going to get back to it. But here's the thing. Sometimes in life, especially in Christianity, we need to celebrate the small days, the small victories. And, and look to see what freedom really is. Because too often we don't understand what freedom looks like. And for me, yes, I, I preach a message. This is, the, this is a message for me. Today we're going to talk about freedom. This is easy message for me because I was locked up. But that's not the freedom I'm talking about. It's the dark stuff. It's the deep stuff. It's the things that have held me captive before I was locked up. But before, that, before my life be, um, previously in Christ. That's why we're doing this series, Hindsight. And so today, let's take a pause. And let's celebrate. You know, it's, football's on later. It's not that cool, but uh, my team sucks, so we're not in it, so I don't really care. But my message, if God gave me one message, it would be one of those of freedom and, and setting captives free. And, you know, over the last 12 to 13 years of my ministry that I've been a part of, God has given me over and over a couple of different countries, a couple of different languages, several times. I think my sister's been there for most of them. My wife's seen a handful. And my friend Cindy, not knowing this, preached the same message to me in the prayer room before the church today. And it's about freedom because God told me a long time ago what the ministry of Journey and what the ministry of Jeff and what the ministry of this community was going to be about. And there's this moment where Jesus walks into his hometown, and Camarillo's not my hometown, I'm from Santa Barbara, but I, I lived in Anaheim, but it's now my hometown. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen a Jewish scroll, this is kind of a small one, but Jesus walks into his hometown, and in the, in, in the Jewish scrolls you read right to left, and they open up the scroll, and there's 66 chapters, and he finds this place. And he looks to his hometown people and he reads from Isaiah 61. And he says this. I can't read Hebrew, so I'm going to read it in English for you guys. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And Jesus now says, I am filled with the spirit and I'm the answer. And let's celebrate for a moment the freedom that's in the air. He says, because he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. Those that are poor in spirit, those that are lost, that need a savior. He has anointed Jesus and us who follow Jesus to preach this good news. To give it away. He says, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover the, uh, the recovery for, of the sight for the blind. Sorry, I jacked that one up. To set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I've seen this continually prayed over me, and this is continually prayed over for our church because freedom is here, and our job is to give that good news that Jesus died and rose again so that I may have freedom, and because of his death and his resurrection, I experience it, and I give it away. And that's really the message today. Hopefully that makes sense to you. This is a huge part of the gospel. I've talked about it several times. If Jesus Christ Incorporated was battling Amazon right now, these would be his mission statement. He came into the world to love them, but as he's loving them, he's releasing people. Do you know what freedom is? I'm completely, I'm, hopefully we get back here. You know what freedom is? 
Freedom isn't a place that you physically go. It's a small movement from your mind and your heart connecting with God. And some of us can be realigned. Anybody got a chiropractic adjustment recently? I know uh, my friend Melanie uh, works at one or did. It's a small adjustment that we start to experience God's freedom. Big part. So if you're able to stand, let's stand. Uh, I'm going to read like uh, Jeremy does from the memory verse. Just because I want the spirit to start working and moving in this message today. It's uh, Psalm uh, 77. The psalmist writes... And we're going through this series called Hindsight. When we look backwards, it helps us move forward in life. Not just in Christ, but in life. We understand history and our society can move forward. In Christianity, the Bible's written in retrospect. We look backwards so that we can move forward and experience this beautiful thing called salvation and freedom in Jesus. Here's what the psalmist writes. He says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your, the wonders of old. I will remember what you've done. I will look back at all the beautiful things that you have done, and I will say, that is signs and wonders that you are in my life. I will remember those deeds. This is a hindsight message. I will ponder all your work, and I will meditate on your mighty deeds. When's the last time you did like a health spiritual check where you're like, Lord, you've done some things, and I just want to celebrate that with you today. Let's spend some time praying. Father, will you use me today? Lord, will you speak boldly through uh, me? I ask today as we're talking about freedom that we will see you and that we will understand you. That you will break free some of the things that we're struggling with. That you will enhance the beautiful things. That you will shine through all the cracks and crevices of our life. So that we can truly see you and understand you. We love you, King Jesus, and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. True freedom is something that I've been seeking for a long time in my life. Long before I became a Christian, long before that, there was something off in my life, and I was seeking it through many different ways. As a young kid, we seek it through sports and girls and relationships and haircuts and whatever, and then you get into your, your younger, older days of 19, 20, 30, and you seek it, me, through drugs and alcohol and partying and trying to be at the most uh, amazing places in life at the right time, Super Bowl Sunday in San Diego, and just trying to chase all the things of the world, and what happens is it's not freedom and it's not peace and it's not fun. It's just what we do. And the only time that I've had true freedom is when I've uh, put my faith and hope in Jesus Christ. So listen, I'm not a poet, but I do occasionally get some stuff, and I wrote a poem today. And uh, it's really the outpouring of my life of seeking freedom in Jesus Christ on the daily, trying to find him in every crack and crevice in my life. And when I do that, I've seen some of the things that's in this poem in your life and in my life. And so here it is. It's called True Freedom. Freedom is like waking up somewhere beautiful and taking that first breath of fresh air overhead. Freedom is like taking a walk on the, uh, on the beach, enjoying the beautiful sunset that is so widespread. Freedom is like daydreaming as you watch the clouds float way, way, way overhead. Freedom is uh, hearing that you no longer have that horrible disease that you once dread. Freedom is like someone special saying I love you as you both are lying in bed. Mary, um, <laughs> Jeremy told me I had to put that in parentheses. So. 
Freedom is like hearing not guilty on the last day of the trial that just ended. Freedom is like hiking in the mountains and looking at all the beauty that God has surrounded. Freedom is when, you are be- when you've been on a boat tossing and turning and feeling sick and finally you're grounded. <laughs> I'm not seaworthy at all. Freedom is like not being afraid of the trials and dangers and fears which are ahead, but having great faith in the God of wonders instead. Freedom is Jesus Christ dying for our sins and raising up from the dead. True freedom is a life in which freedom is given, in which is forgiven and endless and Jesus Christ led. True freedom is giving your life to Jesus and to the world to spread. When we understand some of those moments of freedom, it's not a hard place to find. It's a place in your heart where you say, this is something I need to celebrate. And we're going to do that today as we go through some text. You know that freedom isn't for everybody? I don't know why. You know, you know, have, you know, have you like the basic plan, you know? You go into a place and do you want the basic plan or do you want that ultra mega plan, right? And I'm kind of cheap, so I'm always like, well, what's the basic have to offer? And I act like I'm really interested. The truth, you know I'm going to get the basic one anyways. But some people want the ultra mega special. And when we get that in life, when we get that in Christ, we start to live a life that's so fruitful. But for whatever reason, most of us live in this basic, I'm not going to put any frills and and, and thrills in my relationship with God, and I'm going to get this really basic plan, and he's not going to move, he's not going to work. I'm just going to go to church, and I'm going to kind of have this plain Jane life. In Christ, going to go to heaven. It's not bad. But I always want the mega special altar deal. And so today we're going to walk over there today with me. Will you join me as we walk over there? We're doing this series in hindsight. we got to look backwards to move forward. That's why we have history books. That's why we have textbooks. That's how the Bible's written. you got to look backwards to see the hand of God so that you can move forward. Many of us are in this basic plan. We're all, most of us are believers, and we're trying to get to the other side. And today we're going to take a journey over as the Apostle Paul teaches us about freedom and slave to, to life and to this world. I want to talk about gravity. Anybody know anything about gravity? If you know something about gravity, um, it's hard to stop. But some of you guys that are really strong-willed, you know who you are. Does anybody want to point each other out? <laughs> I want you guys to try and stop this for a second. Okay, You guys really concentrate. Gravity... Is like sin. We were at a meeting with the pastors the other day. Me and Jeremy and Dustin were at his house. And we were all talking. And Jeff Barnett, who was singing, says, gravity's like sin. And it really makes sense. It's this invisible force. And if we all stood up and we tried to jump and touch the ceiling, somebody like me gets about this high off the ground. But the best athlete, and there's probably somewhere in this area, they might get a foot or two. But the truth is, we're not going to touch the ceiling. Because there's gravity. It's this force pulling us down back to earth and it's tugging and, and it's bringing us back to the earth's surface. And it does it whether you like it or not. It also is the reason that we get old. The earth's pulling us down. Making us old and wrinkly in our backs and all of that stuff. <laughs> 
When we feel this pull, it's called gravity. But we could also call it sin. Listen to what scientists call it. They call gravity a law of nature. Don't we talk about laws a lot in the Bible? It's not up for debate. It's real. It's experiential. It's there. And there's nothing we can do to stop gravity. We tried. Even with a bunch of powerhouses, we couldn't stop. When you think about sin, oftentimes we don't think about sin as gravity. We think about it as choices. We think about people are just making bad choices. You lied, you stealed, you murder, you hate, you lust, you envy. You're overindulging and these are actions. It's because if somebody does something that that's sin. But the truth is that's not how the Bible talks about sin all the time. And the first time in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, the first time we see the word sin, it's preached in a way that's different. It's this force and this power, and it's not referring to action. It's actually, it says that sin is crouching in your car or in your bedroom. It's out in the parking lot waiting to destroy you. It's crouching like a lion ready to devour and it's not an action, it's a force or power that's pulling you back to the earth, back to the world, and away from the heavenly realm. God is warning Cain, it says it has a desire for you. Sin has a desire to pull you back away from God and in the wrong direction. Not into the heights and into the highlands, but down in the valleys. It's, it's this gravitational pull that's pulling us in the wrong direction. Long before Newton discovered gravity, the Apostle Paul talked about it in, in, a, in, a, in a way that sin, he calls sin a law. And just like gravity, here's what he writes. He says, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Romans chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging a war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that's at work in me. The Apostle Paul knew this gravitational pull called sin was pulling me back away from God. And there's nothing I could do except put a Savior right in the middle of my situation to help me cut the chains away or uh, for me to be submitting as his, he releases me from the shackles of sin and the law of this world. Today I want to talk from Galatians chapter 4. And I want to go against what gravity says. We all understand that we can't stop gravity. But we, can't st we can stop sin by, putting, Je by putting Jesus in our life. But the Apostle Paul constantly tells us that the law and what we receive from God on Mount Sinai is not going to make us right. And here's what it is. We're going to talk about gravity now, I've been practicing this for uh, a, couple of, a couple of days now. My arm is super tired, so it's not going to last very long. In Galatians chapter 4, we're going to talk about how the law, if, if, if gravity is like sin, the law is like me holding this weight overhead, showing you how good a Christian I am. This is only 10 pounds. My arm's going to last about 30 more seconds. And that's if I really try. Galatians chapter 4, the apostle Paul is preaching about adoption and freedom in Jesus, having this relationship called Abba Father. And then he starts to rebuke the church. Why are you going backwards and yoking yourself with this law, trying to show the world that you are trying to fight gravity, sin, by holding up this weight? And then, and then he starts to appeal to them. Don't you remember when I was there, you guys loved me? He says, you would even have taken your eyes out for me, he says. Kind of gory. And then he says, but now... I want to tell you a story to help you understand it. I can't do it anymore, sorry. 
It's like a father. The Apostle Paul is like a stern father. Remember those stern father days? And he's telling you, I need you to do this. You can't live like that anymore. And then he's pleading with his child. And then he's like, okay, let me tell you a story of my past. And you're like, oh, no. I've heard this one 27 times, right? That's what the Apostle Paul's doing. He's going to tell us a story. So I'm going to just open up the Bible. We're going to read from Galatians chapter 4. And we're going to watch God work. And here's what it says. And I'm supposed to be holding this up. But my, seriously, my arm can't take it anymore. <laughs> Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me. You who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? Do you realize that this is me showing you how strong I am in the Lord? And the truth is, this is not what God wants. He doesn't want me to show you how strong I am and that I can fight gravity. He wants me to put the weight down and he wants me to ask you, do you know what the law says and how it has an impact in your life? Do you realize it's binding you up and it's destroying your walk with Jesus Christ? Do you remember those days? We talk a lot about this. Do you remember the days that you were a Christian and you first accepted the Lord and how excited you were? How you would go out and tell everybody, I believe in Jesus, come to my church and you would invite anybody and everybody. Come to this, come to that and you would tell everybody about Jesus and that they need to know Jesus and that they need to read their Bible. But you know what happens over time? Christians have our own laws. And we start to become Pharisees in our own way, even though it's not what the gospel tells us. And the Apostle Paul is saying the same thing. He's like, why are you guys lifting the weight of the law back up into your church? Why are you going backwards in hindsight thinking that that's the best way to connect to God? He says, I need you to put the weight down. And I need you to get away from the things that are holding you back. Have you ever heard of the thing called the so-called Christian etiquette? When you become a believer, the first couple years, you're just telling anybody and everybody, and you don't realize that you shouldn't be doing that. So all of a sudden, churches grow off those young people in Christ because they tell everybody. But as we get more mature and more seasoned, we don't worship like we used to. We don't dance like we used to. We kind of sit back and look like a healthy uh, Sunday-go-meeting Christian. The first part of the message is we all have a legal list or a legalism mindset. We all want a set of rules. If you came to Journey and you said, here's Jeff's 10 rules of, of good Christianity. Go to church, serve, tithe, pray for others, uh, be a part of the kingdom of God, preach the gospel. Whatever my list was, you would sit back and you would measure your walk with me going, yes, I did this, this, and this all month. I must be a good Christian. We all have a list. Anybody love the syllabus in school? Why? I don't get that. I have never understood that. I'm like, okay, I need to be there in four weeks and six weeks, and I throw the paper away. I, I don't know. I don't, that's the kind of, my girls, they map it out. Okay, on this day, I'm going to be doing homework. I'm like, are you crazy? But we have this list, and we would feel comfortable with this list in our life. And here's what happens. We come to this place in church, and it's really not journey, but let me put this list up that we found online. It's called so-called Christian etiquette. You be believe in Jesus, and all of a sudden the world, especially in the Bible Belt. This is more the Bible Belt, probably not journey and not, not California. But here's what it says. You dress a certain way, the Sunday best. Southern California is like, come as you are. Just come. I don't care what you wear. Just come, put your pajamas on, make sure they're appropriate, and come to church. 
The second one, it says give, give 10%. And if everybody gave 10%, the church would be the richest entity in the world. But we just don't do that. But that's what it says we do. We need to read religiously. And here's the thing. I preach. I read the Bible every day. I'm not telling you to read the Bible but when, every day. But when you do, your life changes and you find freedom in Jesus Christ. But we teach and talk about reading religiously. You become a Christian, you listen to Christian music, you only fo- watch Fox News, you vote Republican, you eat Chick-fil-A, and you only watch uh, Christian movies and TV shows, right? That's what a Christian does. Not a journey, but that's what a Christian does. Here's the thing about Christianity. You walk into church, and here's what it says. You don't actually share what's going on in your life. You've been a Christian for years, but you walk in, and I'm like, hey, Andy, how you doing? Please don't tell me all your problems. I don't really want to hear them. Just say you're okay and I'll I'll fist pump you and we'll walk on. But when we first came to church, I'll tell you exactly. I'm in foreclosure. My wife's leaving me. I need help. And they're like, stay away from that, brother. He's going to tell you the truth. It says, don't hang out with other people that aren't Christian. Only read Christian books. You got to leave your friends, brother. You can't sit and hang out with those friends. Some of this is true, but not all of it. And here's the last one. Everybody say it. Thou shall go to church every Sunday. And the truth is, today, if we go two times a month, praise Jesus. We have these things called Christian etiquette, and they're these laws that we put upon Christians. We become Christian Pharisees. You see that person dancing and singing because they've just experienced Jesus, and then a couple of years later, you're like, don't do that. You've got to be part of the group. Well, sometimes the group is weighing us down, and we're not experiencing the freedom that Christ has in us. Does that make sense? So now we see the problem. Paul's kind of outlining the problem. Do you want to live under the law? Do you know what the law says? Do you think this actually is going to make your life better? The Apostle Paul then gives us this passage to help us understand. He says, the scripture says that Abraham had two sons, one from a slave wife and one from a freeborn wife. The son of a slave wife was born in human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his own promise. We've got the human way and we got the God way. Who likes the muscle things? Really? Thanks, Ed. Two people. I've seen you all work over here for sure. There's a human way and there's a God way. What's the easier way for us? Well, yeah, God. Oh, oh, you guys are such good Christians. God's way, of course. I'd never try and do anything on my own. I just sit and wait. Lord, speak. Should I get a cheeseburger or not? God's like, go get a salad. But I'm in the line. What am I going to do? I don't know where this is coming from. I got to focus. There's God's way and man's way, and that's what Paul's saying. Man's way is to hold this weight and to show you that I'm good. Do you know how good I am? If I was strong enough, I'd hold it straight, but I can't right now because my arm is shaking. (laughs) Another man's way situation over there. Verse 24, it says, these two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. God has two covenants. He's got the law 
And he's got the grace covenant. Too often, man's way is following this legal way, this legal pathway. I want to know the rules and I want to follow just within the rules. Or do I want to follow the grace of God and wait on God? The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where people received the law that enslaved them. Now the law didn't enslave them, people enslaved them. And now in Jerusalem, it's like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents this new law or this new way, the heavenly Jerusalem. This is the new Jerusalem. This is a new place of freedom. She's a free woman and she is our mother. And this is referring to the promise from her husband in Genesis chapter 12. That he is going to be the father of many nations and she is going to be the mother of that child. And that child is going to be the mother of many nations. Here we see the Apostle Paul give us what we call a dichotomy. It's a parallel between good and evil. A dichotomy is two things, the opposite. Jesus used a lot of teaching that way, parables and, and images to help us understand these two things. And here's a list of some of them there. The word here is an allegory. It's an illustration to teach us. And here's what the Apostle Paul, kind of, or here's what Jesus kind of talks about. Light and darkness is a dichotomy. Sinner, saint, proud, humble, wheat, tares, foolish, wise, goat, sheeps. And finally, today we're talking about are you a slave or are you really living in freedom? These are the things that we're dealing with. It's not there yet. We'll be there in a second. Here's what we're seeing with the Apostle Paul. He's trying to give us an illustration. He's trying to bring two different people and show in hindsight what that looks like to us today. And he was talking to this church just like he's talking to Journey of the Church in 2020. Paul is emphasizing that the gospel is about freedom. It's not about rules and regulations. You come to church and you aren't handed a weight saying, here's how you live a good life for Jesus Christ. But that's what we do. Because we want to yoke people to look and act like the way that we are. And then we limit their freedom. And it's like putting a blanket on the Holy Spirit. It's like squelching the work of God because we're too embarrassed to live like they are free in Jesus Christ. The law doesn't free us. The law was given to man for a different purpose. It doesn't free us. All it does is enslave us because it's not what God's meaning was of the law. When it came down from the mountain, it was meant for a different purpose. It doesn't mean that the law is bad. It means man didn't understand what God was giving them. And we, it became a stumbling block for all of mankind, and especially for the Israelites. Instead of using it to find out that we were sinners, we used it to show my right relationship with God. That's what they did for the law. Instead of saying, oh, I have sin in my life and I need help and I need a savior and that I just need some sort of righteousness in my life, they started to hold up the weight of the law and tried to walk in this world holding up this weight. So as I read the Bible, the first thing that pops into my mind when I'm reading this and I'm looking at the illustration, am I really free or am I bound up in some sort of slavery to this world and to this life? Even though I read the text, even though I claim Christianity, am I really free? Or are there some places that are strongholds that have got me bound up? This week, Jeremy really gave a, a great message. Not that he didn't give a normal great message, but on Wednesday, we meet here on Wednesday at Round Tables. And he was talking about sin. And sin was like uh, uh, us carrying this dead person on your back the whole life. And he was talking about some morbid stuff. It was pretty gross, actually. 
like we're carrying corpses and he looked up online, people carrying corpses around and you'd be shocked how many people have corpses at their house. If you're here today, welcome. We're grateful that you're here. But he's talking about walking with this corpse on their back. And at the last verse in Romans chapter 6, here's what it says. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. I no longer have to hold the law up. When Christ comes into the world, it changes. It says, instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Here's the thing. When the Apostle Paul talks about the law, he's talking about the books of the Torah, the five books in the beginning of the Bible. Now, there are some sections that talk about a lot of law, but when he's talking about the law, he's talking about these five books and how these five books are, are, are a way to point out that we are a sinner, and these people started to put them as a yoke of slavery. Those five books never were promoted, uh, never promote God's righteousness by following them, Man made those things up to think that's the way that we should honor God. Romans 6.16 says this. Don't you realize that you, that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? This is what we'll be teaching this week. It says you can be a slave to sin which leads you to death. Or you can choose to obey God which leads to right living. Thank God. Let's celebrate for a moment. Thank God we don't have to do that. Once we were a slave to sins but now you who wholeheartedly obey... Uh, this teaching is given to you. Now you are freedom from slavery of sin and you become a slave to this right living. You no longer are bound to this way of life. So there's two types of slaves. There's one slave that's sold into it and bound to it and we're a slave to sin. There's another one that says, my master is so good that I want to follow him. I want to serve with him. I'm going to put an a, 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 a earring in and say, I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. One's bound, one's free to choose. And that's what he's talking about here. The law, by me holding this up, the law couldn't create a wicked, corrupt heart, a sinful heart, right. The law can't do it. And the Apostle Paul is telling us, why do you continue to fight against gravity? The law can't create a wicked, corrupt heart right with God. But we do that today. We start to become Christians. We start reading the gospel. We start reading the text and we start going backwards saying, how did they do it? And that's what I'm going to do. But the Apostle Paul constantly in Romans and Galatians is talking about freedom. Let's put up that table again, Will. Here's this illustration of these two points and then we'll get moving. It says this. You got this woman in bondage, this bonded woman and this free woman. Ismael. Ishmael's birth was um, made by man. Abraham wanted to have a child. He was told he was going to have a child. And what he did is he says, I'm going to use my slave, my servant, and I'm going to have a child with her. That was him and Sarah's plan. But God said, look, I had another plan, the grace of the gospel, and I'm going to bring the promise through you even if you try and do it on your own. We got earthly Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem, the principle of law, the principle of grace. Paul is fighting Judaizers, people that are, are religious. And he's trying to tell them, you need to follow the grace of God. The second point of today's message we started off is, when are you celebrating your moments of freedom? I was talking to Randy. Randy and Janet have been sick for a couple of weeks. It's a celebration just not to be sick. Getting up, getting into the, leaving the house. Janet says they've watched more Westerns in, in, in two weeks than they've watched in 20 years, right? I'm freedom from Westerns. I don't have to watch them anymore, right? When we celebrate and experience the small thing, God has a chance to really grow and, 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 and allow us to see uh, freedom in a different way. So because we have the grace of God, does that mean we keep sinning? No. 
Let's celebrate those small freedoms. And here's what the Bible says. When you're responsible with a little, more will be given. When you experience and celebrate freedom a little bit, you will experience more freedom and more will be given to you. So let's celebrate. Here's what it says in verse 27. This is a celebration moment. Paul is now quoting Isaiah and he says, Rejoice, O childless woman. You have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. Here we see this moment where the Apostle Paul quotes a place that this woman is going to be uh, heralded for, for eternity because she now was 99 having a child. Even though she mocked and laughed and they tried to do it a human way, God still uses her to fulfill his plan and his promise. You know, it's Martin Luther King weekend and we celebrate that this week. Some of you are getting a day off. And here's something that he says that kind of helps us understand what I'm saying. He says this, he says, if I cannot do great things, I can do small things in a great way. You know what? Church is so serious sometimes, and church is so over the top and trying to build disciples and, you know, make a way and want freedom that we forget to just celebrate the small things. You know what I've done in my life? I've done a few small things correctly. I quit putting drugs and alcohol in my body, and God says, Look, Jeff, you're now free from that, and I can do a lot more with you. They seem big back in the day, but they're really small when you think about it. You do a few small things, great. God rewards that, and that's what Martin Luther King was talking about. Isn't it interesting how in today's world where technology and gadgets are going at light speed and we're just getting flooded with all these things that we don't think as society that something, you know, 100 or 500 or a couple thousand years ago are relevant anymore. But today, being free or being a slave is still as relevant as it ever has been. There's still countries in this world that are, have people held hostage and under an under a evil regime. There's still sex trade and slavery happening all over the world in this county. But we kind of go, well, no, we, we haven't had slaves in a long time. We haven't done anything negative. And the truth is, it's more important that we understand freedom today through Jesus Christ. And being bound up in this world and having this gravitational pull back to the abyss of the things that are holding us back. God is challenging us. Are you free? Or are you still bound up in some sort of Christian religiosity or, or mindset that's holding you back from the grace of God? No matter what time or culture or race um, in, that we have in this world, there's still slave and free is a very relevant term. Most of the things that we need to become free from are free from oppression, disease, addiction, depression, fear, and failure. These are all things that are somewhat invisible to the naked eye. And God wants to unlodge us, unstuck, unstick us from the places that are holding us hostage in our life. This brings us to the, the, the last couple points that Paul has. And it says, here's the main point, verse 28. It says, dear brothers and sisters, and you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of promise, just like Isaac. You are the children of promise. Do you believe that? If you believe and are experiencing freedom, you understand that and you thank God for that and you celebrate that on a regular basis. Promise, though, doesn't mean 
man-made or force it. When we try and do things on our own, even though God said was gonna, this was going to happen, we end up getting in his way and we end up kind of yoking ourselves to this slavery of sin and slavery to the law. There's this natural gravity pulling us back, but God says, listen, put the weight down and wait on me. The really solution to this was waiting upon the Lord and letting the Lord work and letting the Lord lift the weight. Verse 29 says, but you are now being persecuted by those who want to keep the law. Just as Ishmael, the child of the, uh, born by human effort, persecuted Isaac. The child was born by the power of the Spirit. Verse 29, we kind of see the, the, the main issue. As, uh, as I, Isaac was born and being weaned by his mother, the older son started to persecute him. If you look at the Hebrew, it's talking about cursing and kind of yelling and mocking him, actually trying to take him out of the will of God and put him into the corruption of the world. That's what it says if you look into it and dig into the deep uh, uh, Hebrew portion of the text. Genesis 29 verse 9 says, Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian uh, servant Hagar making fun of her son. Here's what I get out of that. When you're living in the promises of God, when you're living for God and in the promises of God, the Bible tells us we're going to be persecuted. In America, we don't get persecuted that much, honestly. Nobody's telling you to go, you know, protesting you as you're walking in. No government regime's going to take your Bible. You're not hiding your faith. We hide our faith because we're embarrassed. We don't hide our faith because we have to. We had some missionaries up last week that have to hide their faith in some parts of the region, but they're willing to go to jail. When we went there, uh, the week we left, one of the guys went to jail for 30 days. Who would go to jail for 30 days for Jesus? I hope so. I hope so. I'm not. I've been there. I don't like it. <laughs> Man, I got to get focused and I... Here's what happens on why we get persecuted. Today in Christianity, we have this people flexing their muscle going, look how good a Christian I am. Look at the muscles that I have in Christ. Where are you doing? Why are you living that way? Why aren't you holding the weight of the world upon your shoulders? Too often we are being persecuted by other people that want to say, look at me. Look at how I'm living my life. They're flexing their muscles. Humanity and sin wants to flex his muscle so that you look weak and small. And so then we don't promote the gospel. We don't promote Jesus Christ. What we do is we cower and we don't tell anybody at work. We don't tell anybody at Coffee Bean. We don't tell anybody at the grocery store that Jesus is alive and has freed me. We're afraid because someone might flex their muscle and scare me. And so we don't want to be persecuted. The church is struggling today in Ventura County because we've let humanity persecute us to not let Jesus thrive. In other parts, I, uh, my, my, my kids are going to a, a school in San Diego. San Diego's on fire. If you know anybody in San Diego, there's church plants coming all over the county. It's one of the fastest movements in America, and it's California. And the church in Ventura County, closing its doors. A lot of them. Local church plants. Because we're afraid. Because we're not living as free Christians. We're living in bondage and we're worrying about what my neighbors are going to say. Forget my neighbors. 
Forget the world. You have a Savior that wants to free you. But we sit on our hands and we sit on our butt. And we don't do enough for the kingdom. And it's not because we have to. It's because we should have an outflow of, of his love in our heart because we are free to experience what God has for us. Verse 30 says, but what do, you, what do the scriptures say about this? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave will not share in the inheritance of the free woman. Here's the thing. At one point, Abraham and his wife go to this, this uh, slave woman and her son. It's time for you to leave. You're creating a headache to our family. And they go out in the desert and they get to this near-death place. But God shows himself. God shows up. Even when they do their own man, human-made thing, God still shows up and says, I'm going to make you a great leader. I'm going to make you a nation. I know you were kind of forced into this world, but he's still good. Let me read this last verse. It says, so dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slain woman. We are children of the free woman. God makes the impossible easy. Today, I'm going to watch God make something that seemed impossible a year ago possible. God makes that stuff easy if you believe in it. And if you're willing to wait 20, 25, 26, 27 years, God makes a way. You just need to shut up, but tell everybody about Jesus. Listen to the Lord, tell everybody about Jesus, and wait on him to have you move. And like Jeremy said at the beginning of this sermon, take a few faithful steps. And take a few more faithful steps. And five years pass, a few more faithful steps. Lord, you said this was going to happen. Ten years pass, a few more faithful steps, and, and, and it's going to happen. Fifteen years, twenty years, and then one day you wake up and you're living in a life that you never could experience. And you're experiencing freedom because you've taken those few faithful steps in Jesus Christ. We expect a story like this to end badly. That the slave son, because he's evil and was done man-made, that he would die. And, you know, and then the good kid would rise and there's like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. But it doesn't happen. Our God is good. Our God kind of is so good it's annoying sometimes. He, he loves the people that are my enemies he loves the people that hate my religion. He loves the people that mock at me for having a bumper sticker about church. He loves the people that are bombing innocent lives. He loves the people that are raping and molesting and destroying humanity. He loves the people that are putting people into sex, slave, sex trade. Why? Because he's a God of love. And he wants to move in their life to bring them into the kingdom of God. And we aren't slaves to that. We need to understand that, that he is a God of love. And he loves the people even that I struggle to love. But he does it for the good of humanity. Because he knows one of them is going to cross that, that line of faith today. And they're going to start living a life of good 
And then that, the, just a little bit of good is a, a moment to celebrate freedom. God wants you to invite him into a place of freedom. Here, here's the thing. Um, so uh, my garage is a mess, like really bad. When I used to live at the place where we started the church, we used to do um, garage sales for the kids because we tried to do anything to raise money for the kids. And there were moments that my garage was packed where there was like a pathway hoarder, for sure hoarder. There's a pathway, and it's right there today. Trust me, it's bad. And I was by myself this week, and I'm sitting in the garage kind of getting ready uh, for this weekend. And I had to make some room in my garage, and it was going to be an act of God. And so I'm in there, and I'm starting to, I'm starting to put stuff away, and, and there's so much stuff. You don't even want to know what's in there. If I couldn't even put a picture in there because there's 580 pairs of shoes in there. I mean, it's just all kinds of stuff. I'm not kidding. And so I'm sitting there, and I start putting stuff away, and all this stuff is just falling over. Every time I put something up, it's falling down, and I'm about ready to lose my salvation. And you know what God told me to do? He's, he's crying out to me. Jeff, invite me into the situation and I will give you freedom. And instead of breaking things and destroying things and throwing all these shoes and, and everything, I just started crying out to the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, my temperature went down from boiling to simmer. And I got done, and there was space to put some furniture that I needed to put in there. But it's because I celebrated him, and I invited him in. And for that moment, that's freedom. The normal human self, I'm breaking stuff with a bat and throwing it away and destroying things and then going, I don't know how that break was. I don't know how that broke. I didn't know. At the end of Galatians chapter 4, we look at verse 5, the beginning. It's the very next verse, and here's what it says. So Christ has truly set us free. Do you believe that today? If you don't, will you meditate on that this week? Verse 5 says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't tie yourself into the slavery of the law. Christ has lifted the weight, and he's doing this and doing push-ups holding this thing up. I got to do it in the other arm, man. That's arm certainly. And he's saying, you no longer need to hold on to this. The law's not going to help you. The only thing that can help you is me. Don't bind yourself up, Christians, into the old ways, thinking that's going to make your life better. Verse 5 says, a little bit later, Galatians 5, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised. Part of God's plan, part of God's freedom plan is to wait upon the Lord. By having those few faithful steps and that faith in Jesus Christ, we move towards him and one day we wake up and we feel that we are the righteousness of God. And it's by experiencing him and allowing him into those moments of anger. I, I share a lot of my stories because I think it's a teaching moment to say, look, I get angry just like everybody else. And the only thing that gives me freedom is crying out to the Lord. And then I don't get bound up and I see the righteousness of God and I see his glory and I use it as a moment, as a teaching moment for myself and maybe a teaching moment for you. Here's the last point of today's message. Is to pay it forward. 
Anybody ever seen that movie? Man, I, I, if I start talking about it, I'm going to cry. <laughs> that movie's changed my life. And I want to give it to you today. If you've never seen the movie, it was in 2000. you got to see it. Here's one of the quotes that come out of the movie. One of the guys that wrote the movie. It says, sometimes you can't pay, pay it back, so you pay it forward. What Christ did for you, you can't pay back. What he did, you can't pay back. All you can do is pay it forward. And that's, that's how I make my life right with God. That's how I celebrate freedom. That's how I get out of the list is I give it away. A long time ago, this couple, the Anglins, taught me how to give. Luke 6, 38. Over and over, they taught me what this verse means. Over and over. And it's about paying it forward. It's about a way of life. It's this giving mantra. And these, this couple, I saw them at Sprouts a couple days ago, and I'm like, you guys, thank you for teaching me how to give. And it says in this verse, listen to what this verse says. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Listen, if you start paying this thing forward, we were praying today in the prayer room, and it says those that refresh others also become refreshed. Those that free others also become free and have more freedom in their life. You've got to give it away so that you can keep it, and then you take it back, and then you give it over here, and then you take it back, and then you give it over here. You've got to continually pay it forward, and when you do that, your life gets synced up with Christ, and you're just giving, and there's so much overflow spilling over in your life that everybody's drawn to you, and they're following you right into church and right into the arms of Jesus Christ. We need to give. We need to pay it forward. We need to experience that moment of freedom. That moment of lying in bed and saying I love you to that special someone. Even though maybe they're, you're angry with them. Letting that go. Inviting Christ in. There's some people that wish they could do that. And they can There's some people in the church that his wife's in Afghanistan half the year. He would do anything to have her next to him and say, I love you. That's freedom. Some of you have different areas of freedom. God wants to bring that. Here's the last verse. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. This is Galatians 5.13. But don't use freedom to satisfy your sin nature. You know, God has given me a bunch of freedom. 17 years clean and sober. Yeah, I wasn't saying that for applause, but yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> but I can't use that freedom to do other things to destroy my life. I use that freedom to pay it forward and give it away. And in that, my life becomes better. And then there's a blip that brings me back, and then I have to give it away. And, help, and, and my life becomes more free when I go through the struggles. It says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, which is our mission. We are on a mission from God to love this world one person at a time and by loving them, hopefully giving them the free gospel and the freedom through the gospel. Does that make sense? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray that you take 
all these ridiculous things I said and that you will bring them forward and that you will unleash and we will celebrate freedom in you today. That you will take someone that was on the ledge of destruction and self-harm and that you will give them that nudge to live a free life for you, Father. That you will take that person and push them into a community group so that they can grow in faith. That you will take that person that's depressed and lonely and that they, you will give them the strength to reach out and tell another person in this room, I need help. That you will call people up to pray. Lord, that you will just free that one person that needs it today, that is desperate, that's lost. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, we want to give you the free grace of Jesus Christ. We want to give you the gift of salvation. And all you have to do is say the prayer that I give, and the Lord hears and saves. That's you today. Here's what, here's how it says. Just repeat it with your with your mouth and believe it in your heart, and you will be saved. Forgive me, Father, for I'm a sinner. I know that you died and you rose again, and forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart, come into my mind, come into my soul, and be my Lord and Savior. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit and teach me how to be free in you, Jesus Christ. I love you, Lord. Jesus' name. Amen. If you want freedom today, or if you have freedom today, if you want to experience freedom today, will you do something a little bit different? I don't care what it is to express your freedom. Maybe it's give for the first time. Maybe it's raise your hand from this level to this level. Or here. Maybe it's dance. Maybe it's come up front. Maybe it's come to the prayer room. Maybe it's going back and signing up for a community group. Maybe it's going back to the new discipleship table and saying, I want to become better. I want to know more about what you're doing. Maybe it's just going out into the patio and saying hi to someone and saying, I'm struggling. Do something different in, the, in this place of response. We're going to take our offering. We're going to take our prayer cards and our communications. If you have anything you need to communicate, we want to care for you. So write it down. And if you miss the offering, there's some, some places in the back that you can put the card and the offering in. But we want to use this time for care, for offering. And we also want to invite the prayer team to come up and to help you uh, live a little bit more free in your life. So let's use this time. Let me pray for the offering and the prayer cards and this time of response. Father, we want to respond to you today. We want to worship you through the offering, through prayer, through uh, reaching out and becoming part of the community. Holy Spirit, guide us as we move closer to you. We love you, King Jesus and all God's people said. Amen.